Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're bringing you something slightly different from our normal episodes. Um, so today is the Listener's Nutrition Clinic, and this is a new style of episode that we'll be bringing to you periodically. And it came about because we had some suggestions and questions posed to us by some listeners about their own particular health and running challenges related to nutrition. So we're going to host this um, every few weeks and we'll choose three questions that we've received from our listeners and we'll aim to give you some tips that will hopefully support the individual asking the question but also just by sharing help our listeners and our audience uh, with their running and health uh, challenges. So um, hopefully you'll enjoy today and we'll look forward to getting your questions. If you have got any questions, email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll add you into the Listener's Nutrition Clinic in future episodes. Hope you enjoy today. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen and today we've got something a little bit different for you. Um, So today's our first episode of what we're calling our listeners nutrition clinic and that's where we're going to answer some questions that we've received from you, our listeners and followers. So the questions can be linked to your nutrition for running, for performance, for personal health goals, so anything uh, really in that realm. Um, So if you do have any questions and you'd like us to answer them or discuss them in this space then please get in touch and send us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com so we, we plan to hold the listener clinic periodically and what we'll do is we'll choose two or three questions that we've received from our listeners and discuss some tips that we hope will help those individuals but maybe just by sharing them they'll help the wider audience too um, and give you some food for thought and maybe some food ideas to put in place too. So um, we're going to get started now, Karen. So um, I'm just going to, first of all, give everybody an overview of the questions that we're going to be answering today. And these questions really came about because I think in the past we've asked listeners for suggestions on topics and um, a few people came through with some suggestions or there might be questions that they've posed in our Facebook group which everybody's welcome to join too Um, so um, that's where the questions came from so the three questions that we're going to answer today uh, the first one uh, was from Liz Uh, Liz is actually out in Australia and she emailed us a while ago asking how does she ensure that she's eating enough to fuel the amount of activity that she's doing? So we'll give you a bit of an overview of what Liz's background to the problem was in a minute. The second question is from Claire. Uh, Claire's one of our regular listeners and she's based in the south of England. And um, Claire said that she's um, struggling with urgency to go when she's out on a run. And I think that's a common thing that lots of runners experience. She's asking, could it be linked to what I eat? And she's really hoping that we can help her with some tips. So I hope we can too, Claire. And the third question came from 
uh, a lady who joined our Facebook group recently and when you join the Facebook group we ask you some questions um, just to get a little bit of background on you and this lady Rebecca said that um, she's very active she's been on a low carbohydrate diet for ages and she knows she needs to introduce carbohydrates but she's asking how do I introduce them when I'm scared of them so again that is quite a common uh, problem so um, we'll hopefully be able to give you some tips on that Rebecca. So we've got three very interesting questions here, Karen. Um, so shall we get started? Do you want to start off by giving us some background information regarding Liz's question to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. And hi, everybody. Lovely to be here again and to be here with you again, Aileen. So Liz's question, just to remind everybody, was how do I ensure I am eating enough to fuel the amount of activity I am doing? So some additional information that Liz gave us um, included... Um, that she runs three to four times a week. She tends to run a total of between 10 to 15 kilometres a week across multiple runs, ranging from approximately three kilometres up to 10 kilometres at any one time. But 10 kilometres is always her max. Um, she runs either first thing in the morning before breakfast, and that's when she'll do her 2K or 3K, or she may do 5K around lunchtime, but before she's had her lunch. Her 10-kilometre run, she tends to do at the weekend, and that's usually mid-morning, and that's about an hour after she has her breakfast. Now, she gave us some, some more information um, regarding her nutrition for her running. So she told us that um, her breakfast before the 10K run at the weekend tends to be half a cup of porridge with three Witabix, a banana and maybe some nut butter or pumpkin seeds mixed through that. Um, when she's running before lunchtime, she tends to have a morning tea snack, which includes pretzels. Um, she doesn't usually eat during a run or afterwards. Um, for lunch, it tends to be mostly sandwiches with a filling of meat and salad. And she tries to have a glass of milk or a tub of yogurt as well, especially when it's hot. Now, she thinks her meals are OK in terms of variety and the amount of veg they contain and protein, but she feels they may not be large enough. She tends to manage to eat approximately two to three servings of vegetables per day, but that's her max. Um, she feels her snacks could be improved. Uh, she does love a homemade biscuit and tries to stick to only one per day. And also she finds that she can't cope with really big meals or big portions. Now, the symptoms that Liz is currently experiencing include feeling fatigued before a run um, due to long working hours, she says. But once she starts running, she's generally OK unless it's a hill session. Straight after the run, she's on a runner's high. But by the time nine o'clock comes in the evening, she's in bed and falls asleep straight away through until six o'clock. And we, the other thing we know about Liz is that she's a petite lady. So this is some of the background information um, to the question that Liz posed. From that information, Ailey, I just wondered what your suggestions would be um, for Liz. Yeah, well, thank you, Liz, for the question. And thanks for all the uh, great information about, about what you do and what you eat, because that's really helpful. Um, so from what we know about Liz's running routine, um, I would say that the timing of her eating is absolutely fine. It's, it's find that she she does um her short runs first thing before breakfast um and as you said her longer runs uh, she completes mid-morning so she tends to eat first um, and she always leaves an hour between eating and running so I think she's got a really good routine um, my comment here would be I'd suggest that it would be helpful um after uh after you run to have a, a light carbohydrate snack immediately so pretty much as soon as you come home from your run um particularly after the 10k run um, that's the one I'm really thinking about here um so the kind of things that you might want to think about having Liz would be uh one or two medjool dates because they're very rich in carbohydrates and they're quick and easy to eat uh, perhaps a banana or even a spoonful of honey or maple syrup so that that's something that I do I you know I'll have the jar of honey on the workbench in the kitchen and it's very easy just to take a spoonful as soon as you come in the door um, so you know we've got a little bit of information about what food 
uh, Liz, is, Liz eats. We, we don't have a full food diary, but we've got some information. Um, so if we if we look at her breakfast to begin with, I mean, it's not a bad breakfast. Um, it sounds quite substantial in volume, um, but there is limited protein in it. And the Weetabix doesn't really have an awful lot of nutritious value to them, although it is a really good source of fibre and you're probably having milk with them too. Um, but perhaps a, a, a good swap would be to increase the amount of oats and maybe reduce or remove the Weetabix. Um, or you could maybe, um, you know, get three Weetabix is quite a lot, so you could reduce them or take them away and, and swap it for a different grain um, to add to the half cups of oats. So you could have things like quinoa or millet flakes to give it a little bit of different texture and taste. Um, it would be really great if you could increase the protein intake. Um, maybe you could um, have a boiled egg uh, and maybe alongside the, the porridge um, or the oats that you're having or, or have an egg and toast or oat cake based breakfast. That would be a good choice too. Um, or you could do something completely different. Things like having a mixed vegetable omelette, that would help you increase your veg intake too. People always find it difficult to get veg in at breakfast, but having an omelette or a green scramble is a really easy thing to do. Um, or perhaps you could have smoked salmon on toast with some breakfast veggies like mushrooms, wilted spinach, tomatoes, peppers, that kind of things. Um, so there's some good ideas of what you can do to get that post-run breakfast, you know, the weekend run. I think it would be good to really um, maximise the nutrient value there. So, Karen, is there anything that you'd like to suggest about Liz's lunch? Yeah, so so thinking about her lunch, she was saying that she mostly has sandwiches and a glass of milk or yogurt. Um, I don't know if this is for convenience or preference or if Liz just finds it hard to think of um, lunchtime alternatives. So she tends to stick to, to the sandwiches. Now, a sandwich, I think, is OK. But what I would say here is just trying to ensure that you're using wholemeal bread, um, and that it has a really substantial and nutrient dense filling because quite often with sandwiches there's more of the bread than there is of the filling so trying to to adjust that or maybe having an open sandwich where it's just one slice of of bread and then you've got lots of te- toppings so that could be um be an idea um but maybe just sort of swapping the sandwich sometimes for a substantial salad using a grain as a base um, or maybe a hearty soup um because both of these would be much more nutrient dense um, and I'm thinking here for the for the soup maybe thinking about a carrot and lentil soup which is really hearty really filling really nutritious got um got protein in there as well and you could have that with maybe a couple of oat cakes with some cottage cheese on top again sort of um, topping up the the protein intake um, and Liz, what I was thinking there was that you could potentially um, batch cook a soup at the weekend. So I know you're super busy um, with work, um, but if you've got the weekends off, maybe you could do that sort of batch cooking at the weekend, put the soup in individual containers and then pop it in the freezer and just take it out as you as you need it. Um, for for if for swapping a, a, a sandwich potentially for a salad, you could maybe think about using quinoa or brown rice as that key base, and then adding your protein source. For example, um, chicken, salmon could be eggs, um, or again you could add add lentils to the to the salad. Then add lots of your favourite chopped vegetables to that, and also herbs as well. Herbs I think often get forgotten about, but they can give lots and lots of flavour to. Um, a salad as well as as nutrients Um, and and say maybe you had a meal the night before and there were some leftover veggies or roasted veggies whatever it may be before again you could add that to your to your salad um, for for lunch the next day and this will really help um, potentially increase your vegetable intake overall because I know that that is a concern that you tend to only manage to have about three portions um, um, per day. Now, thinking about leftovers from the night before, I think this is a really good idea um, for a lunch generally. If you've made a a, a big uh, family dinner, maybe just 
making a little bit more and then um, whatever's left you could then have for your lunch the following day so um, so lots of different ideas there now Liz was saying that she has milk or yogurt um, I don't know if that's each day or just some days certainly you were saying that you have it when um, the weather's warm now I think that's fine to have um to have yogurt or some milk uh, but what I would say here is um, just to to check and make sure that it's not causing you any digestive issues you don't say if you're having any digestive issues Liz but if you're finding that that you do just sort of thinking about is there is there a link there maybe to the to the dairy but like I say we don't know that um, what we would recommend is that um, wherever you can trying to use organic milk and natural yogurt rather than the flavored yogurts and then just adding your own natural flavors like um, fresh chopped fruit to give it that that sweetness so that would be my recommendations um, for lunch Great. So it's all about just adding some different variety in and maybe moving away from the sandwiches then. Um, okay. So thinking now about the snacks, um, and again, uh, what the snack choices would be for Liz and considering if she's eating enough. So I think uh, snacks are a great opportunity to really, uh, boost your nutrition. I think if you can choose really nutrition dense snacks, that can, that can help a lot. Um, so you mentioned Liz eating pretzels as your mid-morning snack. Now that again is not necessarily something that would hit our list of a healthy snack, uh, mainly because there isn't an awful lot of nutrients in there and it's quite salty. And I'm wondering if it's the saltiness you crave, Liz, or if that's just a preference. Um, I know some, pe- you know, a lot of people are falling the sweet or the savoury camp, but often cravings for, for both sweets and savoury is a, a suggesting that maybe your adrenals uh, are out of balance. And uh, that's one of the reasons that we crave the saltiness. Um, So some healthy alternatives for snacking that would also support your running. So um, some simple ideas, um, maybe a few berries with a a small portion of nuts. So when I'm thinking of a small portion, I'm thinking sort of 10 to 12 almonds, that kind of size. Um, maybe a couple of oat cakes you, you could top with avocado or nut butter or cottage cheese or hummus so all easy things to have in the fridge um, that you could easily have access to uh, and I know you like a homemade biscuit and um, you know everybody deserves a little bit of a treat so we wouldn't like to take them away from you but what we would say is just use them strategically um, so maybe having one immediately after you run it's another sort of carbohydrate shot um but try to avoid them on rest days or on low training days or maybe um, consider making a homemade protein flapjack as a change from a biscuit and using sort of natural ingredients will you'll get some additional nutrients so that would be another helpful thing to do yeah, I would agree with um, with that, Alien, regarding snacks. You know, I think with all snacks, it is about using them wisely and, like you say, making sure that they're nutrient-dense because it, it is another opportunity to build on um, the nutrient density of, of our diets. So um, the, the other question I'd pose here is, do you need a snack um, if you're not training? So maybe um, maybe it's about... On, on rest days or low training days, as long as you're eating three nutrient dense meals a day, it might be that a snack isn't necessary. Um, which kind of leads me on to your other concerns, Liz, of whether you're eating enough for your training. Now, I think this is a difficult question for us to answer because we don't know how much food you're consuming per meal and per snack. But but what I would say is really to um, to listen to your body. If it's telling you it's hungry, then eat something. Or maybe drink some fluids first, thinking about water here, just to assess if it's hunger or if it's thirst that your body is trying to tell you um, it needs. But don't ignore the hunger just because you usually don't have a snack or meal at a particular time. Listen to your body and give it what it needs, whether it be the, those fluids or whether it be the, um, the, the food. So hopefully, Liz, this has been helpful to you. Um, 
And do let us know if you're listening, do let us know um, if this has, has helped um, answer your question. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just to add to what you were saying about snacking and eating enough, I think sometimes people fall into having to have a snack because they're not eating enough at their meal times. Um, so, you know, if you are somebody that's eating small meals and topping up with snacks, that may not necessarily be the best way to go. Um, but we've we've got um, a few other tips to share um, that might help everybody as well as Liz um, to make sure that you are eating enough for your training. And um, we have done episodes on this topic before, and it is really important that you fuel adequately. Um, so the kind of things that you can think about is um, thinking about practicing meal prep or packing meals um, up so that you, you've got them available for you um, and that you really it's important to be in a routine um, to make sure that you've got the opportunity to choose healthy balanced meals so you know preparing ahead before you go out for a run would really help you um, so that you don't have to you know prepare meals uh, you know as soon as you get in and, and also the the time that you can save in preparing ahead you can spend on on your training and recovery um, it's really important also that you don't skip meals and you don't skimp on the meals around training runs especially that post uh, training recovery so that was one of the tips that we we mentioned to Liz about refueling with some carbohydrates um, and, and sometimes proteins necessary too after your run um, and remember to um, include fruit and vegetables as part of your refueling because that's going to help you uh, replenish uh, vitamins and minerals. Um, remember to focus on balanced meals. So um, training does increase our energy uh, needs and that's often why we, we're feeling hungry. Um, but remember to choose um, really nutrient-dense foods because if you sort of do the opposite of that and choose high calorie but low nutrient foods that can leave you feeling sluggish and low energy and that's not going to help all the biological um, functions that you need um, and also um, you know Liz you, you mentioned um, in your email to us that you're a petite physique and um, you sometimes feel that you can't cope with big meals and portions um, so it's just to reiterate what, what I mentioned earlier was that it's really key that you focus on all your meals being your meals and your snacks being nutrient dense and then everything you eat will contribute to that overall nutrient status. So avoid eating things that have got empty calories, basically. Um, and also another thing that I find with people that um, have got sort of small appetites it's really important to train your appetite and your capacity to eat a little more so sometimes it's all about just adding small amounts of extra things consistently um, until you get used to eating a little bit more and we're not encouraging you to overeat here but we're just encouraging you to make sure that you're eating enough and you do it consistently and then your digestion will be able to cope with a bit more food so is there anything that you'd like to add, Karen, before we move on to the next question? Yeah, just a couple of things, Eileen, now we dad here, just speaking to, to um, our listeners generally. Um, and, I, and it is really just to remember to eat pre, during and post your training runs wherever appropriate. It, clearly, it will depend on the distances you're running. But each each stage is really important to ensure that you're eating enough. Um, it might be that you don't need to eat um, before or during um, an easy run that's less than 90 minutes long but beyond that it is important to eat before and during um, maybe think about taking along some quick release carbohydrate foods with you on your run so for example here I'm thinking about the medial dates you mentioned earlier Aileen raisins banana flapjack the Ella's kitchen um, uh, pouches and um, and of course always always remember your fluids because that's as important as your nutrition as well 
And also, um, like we've been speaking about, it's been mostly sort of um, post post training nutrition, and it is always um, important to eat after any run of any distance and um, to help sort of refuel and recover from that run. And like Aileen was saying, keep the the meals balanced. You know, carbohydrates are important, but remember you need to include the protein. The healthy fats and the colourful fruits and vegetables at meal times, really to help make those meals balanced and satisfying, so that you're not going hungry. Now we do use the athlete's plate concept um, because we think it it makes it really easy for runners um, to to work with to ensure that they are eating appropriately for their running. And you can gain access to these graphics um, if you were to purchase our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners on online program that we've spoken about before and um and you can do this through our website, um, runnershealthhub.com, um, and just select the work with us from the, the toolbar on the right-hand corner at the top of the homepage. And um, as we've mentioned before, we do offer this program to you as our, our listeners at a, at a special price. So when you do get to the payment section, um, just use the coupon code POD to get um, 33% discount off the full price. And that brings the cost down to a um, £199 and, um, and and you get the athlete's plates on there as well as much, much more to support you and your nutrition for your running. So, um, so it's just another idea to help keep it personalised to you. Okay, thanks, Karen. So hopefully that's helped answer Liz's question. Do let us know, Liz, um, if, uh, if we've helped and how you get on with some of the suggestions and um, hopefully you know, by asking the question, we've helped everybody else uh, think about how they feel they're running. So now let's move on to Claire's question. So let's just remind ourselves what Claire said. Um, So Claire said, I'm struggling with urgency to go, uh, sometimes known as the runner's trots. And she's asking, could it be linked to what I eat? And I'm hoping that you'll be able to help me. So here's a little bit of background to what Claire um, told us. So she says she's been struggling with this issue for for quite a lot, um, needing to go to the bathroom while she's out on a run or a fast power walk. And that's been going on for quite a while. And she's aiming to run the Brighton Marathon this year. And she really wants to resolve this problem because she doesn't want to stop en route um, to go to the bathroom. And she says that the problem seems to happen for no reason at all. She's not linked it to any particular triggers. She suddenly gets an urge and she literally needs to go within a few seconds. So, you know, I think we can all um, really well send sympathy because we all know how horrible that is when it happens. Um, she also said that um, her osteopath, who also is a kinesiologist, said it could be due to a faulty uh, ilio um, I don't know how to say this, casal valve, is that the right way to say it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she's she's wondering if that's a potential problem and she's also wondering if it's linked to the high fibre content of a diet. Um, She actually um, told us quite a little bit about that and she said that she eats between 50 to 60 grams of fibre a day, which is quite a high amount of fibre and um, she follows a food plan of about 2,800 calories a day um, and she's thinking that she'll aim to reduce her fibre intake to 35 to 40 grams which is more in realms with what the the, um, the nutrient nutritional guidelines would say would be optimal. So yeah. that's a bit of an overview of what Claire told us. Yeah, and she did also provide us with um, some more details around a, a typical day's food intake and um, so she gets up quite early in the morning at five o'clock and um, she has sort of 60 grams of cornflakes um, with 75 mils of um, milk now she does give us a lot of information here so I'm just going to pull out some of the foods not all of the foods Um, at lunchtime she'll have four rice cakes with two lighter cheese triangles, 40 grams of pre-cooked beetroot. And she'll also have um, about 80 grams of honeydew melon and 60 grams of pineapple. Now, she says that her dinner varies, um, but that's where she finds that her fibre levels goes up. 
Um, and then later in the evening, about 8.30 in the evening, she'll have some porridge made with um, oats. And to that, she'll add um, a, a protein powder, 30 grams of a protein powder, and we'll blend that with um, three grams of chia seeds as well. So, So I think the first thing that I would say uh, about what Claire has has told us overall uh, really is that Claire, if you do suspect that this situation on and the the sort of the urgency to go is linked to the ileocecal valve, then get that checked out with your GP. Just make an appointment to see them or speak to them on the phone and just explain um, your symptoms and and your suspicions. Um, Claire, she mentioned that um, she thought it might be linked to her fibre intake, which is possible, I have to say, because if her regular daily intake does average 50 to 60 grams, as she suggests, and that's sort of on a daily basis, that is really high. So it may be linked to that. Now, Claire did also say that she was um, going to reduce her fibre intake to between 35 to 40 grams per day so it would be interesting to know if that has made any significant difference Claire um so you could maybe let us know what also struck me about Claire's food diary and just looking through it and even from reading out um the information that we read out it would appear to be low in protein the evening protein powder does appear to be the principal protein source Although I have to say we don't know what she has at dinner time. Maybe there is some protein there as well. Now, the low protein could potentially be contributing to this urgency to go because um, protein is digested and absorbed more slowly than carbohydrates. So, um, so, so because of that, it could potentially slow the transit time of food through the digestive tract, therefore reducing the risk of that urgency to go. So just some, um, some little pointers, pointers there. Okay, thanks, Karen. Um, so all good points. Um, but just, um, just to go back to Claire's fibre intake, um, you know, she's looking to reduce it, but it may be that she needs to reduce it a little bit further. Um, so um, looking at around 30 grams a day would be the sort of recommended intake outlined by the British Dietetic Association. Um, so, I mean, she she's eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and she's got things like porridge and bread and there's quite a lot of carbohydrates there so I think as you say naturally if she maybe had a bit more protein and less of those things she might find that um, that makes the difference and that might be able to help her manage that. Um, the, the other thing that we would recommend uh, to Claire is to complete a symptoms diary as a way of monitoring progress so that's a very simple thing um, to you know just note down when you had bowel movement what did you eat beforehand? What were you doing? You know, were you out on a run? Were you out on a walk? What happens on the days that you don't do that? Um, and that would, um, you know, give you some information to be able to share with with your professional practitioner and they, they might be able to pick up some things from there that would help you. Um, you might want to think in ahead to the days where you're doing the, 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 the very long training runs or indeed the race that you're planning to do is think about really reducing your fibre intake for the few days leading up to and including race day. Um, so just so that um, that makes, again, as Karen talked about the transit time, it'll probably help slow the transit time down. Um, and also um, you might want to, when you're doing that symptoms diary, think um, and track, are there any food or beverage triggers? So it might be that you notice that on certain days, it's, you know, it could be the time of day that you're going for a run. It could be what you've eaten beforehand or even as far away as the day before. So just check if there's any food or beverage triggers in, and maybe track those as part of the symptoms diary. You haven't mentioned anything about caffeine, uh, Claire, if that's something that you drink on a regular basis, but caffeine's known to be a trigger. So it might be worth experimenting with the removal of, of caffeine um, just, uh, just to see if that's the thing that makes a difference. 
Yeah, absolutely, Alien. And, and there, you know, you've mentioned some potential triggers there, but there are other known triggers of this urgency to go that could be contributing to Claire's situation that we're unaware of. So I'm thinking here, for example, um, medications, supplements, gels. I, I wonder if Claire is taking anything at all, um, because some supplements and energy gels and some medications as well contain artificial sweeteners fillers, binders, etc. And that could potent they could potentially stimulate the digestive tract and the bowel. And also um, overhydration could, could, could be a trigger. Now again we don't know for Claire um, how much um, how much fluid she drinks on a regular basis. But I do know that many runners tend to be concerned about dehydration. Therefore they, they sometimes overcompensate. But overhydration has detrimental effects on health, too, and that includes loose stools. So something else to to consider. And anxiety, um, you know, stress, anxiety, these are known triggers of loose stools, again, for some people. Um, but in others, it could lead to constipation, but potentially for Claire, if um, there is any stress or anxiety around, that might be a contributing factor. Now, it could also be caused by the bouncing effect of running. And this is something that we have discussed in, in previous episodes. And it is a known phenomenon that um, can stimulate the colon. Now, um, what I would say is if this is the cause of Claire's urgency to go, then really it's about managing the food and fluid intake to try and limit, eliminate the effects of the bouncing effect, because clearly we can't stop the bouncing because that's just part of running. So it's about managing the foods and fluids around that to, to limit the effects. Yeah, and I think sometimes people forget that the the bowel really works through a, something called peristalsis, which is just like a big wavy type movement that goes through the, the bowel. So this sort of bouncing of running is sort of like, adding extra stimulus to, to that natural process. Uh, but other things that you could consider um, to limit the, the effects of this sort of bouncing would be in the sort of 24 to 48 hours um, before a run. For some people, it might be longer, so it might be like three days before a run, is really think about that your pre, pre-race food and or pre-training run foods so choose low fiber foods avoid caffeine and avoid any other stimulants uh, before a run um, check to see if any of your medications or supplements or gels as Karen's mentioned uh, if what they contain so do they contain any artificial sweeteners or preservatives and if so avoid them and make alternative choices um, unless of course they're the medications that are prescribed then it wouldn't be advisable to change them without having a medication review with your GP. Uh, we did do a really interesting episode not so long ago, and it was about using FODMAP foods. And um, one of the, the aspects of that conversation was looking at some of the gels that include uh, FODMAP um, nutrients that can um, cause digestive problems. So um, if you've not already listened to it, Claire, I'd suggest you listen to that and see if there's any tips there that might be able to help you. Great. So um, so hopefully that's been really helpful to you, Claire. Um, and I thought maybe once again, before we move on, we could just give you one or two additional tips that might help prevent or reduce the urgency to go that all or any of our, our listeners generally may experience. So just thinking about, could there be any underlying food or food sensitivity or food intolerance occurring that maybe hasn't been um, um, addressed? And again, we spoke about keeping a symptoms diary, maybe keeping a food and symptoms diary um, would help to determine that. So something to think about. Also thinking about addressing pre-run eating habits, um, thinking about what you eat immediately before a run and then working backwards. Do you need to do a food swap? So, for example, thinking about if, say, dairy is a is you find that dairy is an issue if you have a dairy yogurt um before you go out for a run with part of your meal or your snack 
if this is a trigger, then think about swapping that for, say, a coconut yogurt or something like that. So it's not about removing the food. It's about swapping the foods for something that's good, that isn't going to irritate. Also, we mentioned the artificial um, sweeteners um, and sugars and things. So thinking here regarding the artificial sweeteners, sucralose and lactose, um, but also alcohol, preservatives, we would say to to always, but definitely for the 24 to 48 hours before and immediately before a run, um, just removing these from, from the diet. And also just remember that sugar prompts the body to release more water into the digestive tract, which could make the stool looser. So maybe if you if your diet is um, it does contain quite a, a high sugar content, try reducing it. Now we're speaking about sugar, but there, and the, remember there are lots of natural sugars in fruits. So if you've got a high fruit diet, it might be that um, as well as the fiber in the fruit. There's also the water that it's drawing into the digestive tract because of that and um, because of the sugar content. And that's leading to the to the loose stool. So maybe looking at swapping out some of the fruit content and, and swapping that for more vegetables. And just remember, if you are running for less than 90 minutes, um, you could you could run in the fasted state and that will kind of help to diminish, maybe remove some of um, some of those symptoms. But clearly beyond 90 minutes, you do need to be eating. So, Aileen, have you got any more tips that you would add here before we move on? Yeah, well, it's such a lot, isn't there, on digestion? And um, the thing is, it is a very personalised um, situation and so sometimes you do need to uh, consult with somebody professionally to sort of look at all the things and and give you um, a, a guidance on, on where you go um, so one of the things that was striking me when you were talking Karen and this isn't necessarily related to Claire but it's something that other people might need to think about is sometimes if you don't have I just think if you know everybody should aim to have at least one good bowel movement a day and it should be a, a regular a regular movement, a regular time. And the people that have an erratic bowel movement, they're sometimes the people that when they go running, it's the running that stimulates them to have a bowel movement. So if you have a good bowel movement every day, you're emptying your bowel every day, and then it's not going to be so likely that you have this urgency to go when you're on a run. So I don't know if this is related to Claire, but I just thought I would mention that. Um, so a couple of other things just to think about is um, – you know, from a practical point of view, when you're out training, know your training routes. And if all else fails, know where you can go to the loo, whether it's the public cafe, the public toilet um, or in a shop, you know, consider having toilet paper with you just in case so that you're prepared and it's not going to be too dramatic and awful for you. Um, and then when regarding, you know, thinking about that, um, pre-race food and on the day food it's always a good idea to practice 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 what you're going to do pre-run what you're going to do during run and then you're you're training your digestive system into receiving the the types of foods and um, hydration so that it's used to it and it's not going to be in a shock state when you when you do your race because remember on race day um, you might have nerves it might be excited nerves but they can be the thing that you know, can tip you into a, another situation. So you want to make everything as um, normal and usual as possible so that your body just thinks I'm going out for a training run and I've done this many times before. Um, so we, we always say never try anything new. Um, so never try new foods, gels, water or supplements on race day. Whatever you do, you're going to have to practice several times before you, you go on a race. Um, and thinking about that pre-race anxiety, it's really important that you get a good night's sleep and ensure that you're fully trained. And I guess, you know, knowing a little bit about Claire, she's somebody who is really into her training and she will have done everything. But that's just a general um, bit of advice for everybody. Be fully prepared and then that gets rid of some of the anxiety um, and, you know, remember, you know, you can work a professional with a professional. We're available uh, we can review um, your personal diet and give specific recommendations and um, modifications that, that work for you individually. 
Yeah, and I would just add a final note here as well before we move on, Aileen, to, um, to everybody. You know, if you did find that there was any blood in your stools, that there was um, a consistent weight loss, a change in appetite, maybe recurring nausea or vomiting that um, that was happening or some chronic changes in your bowel habits, um, then we highly uh, recommend and stress that you go and visit your, your GP because it could be that these symptoms are a sign of something um, more serious potentially and would require some further investigation so don't let anything linger. Okay so hopefully that's helped answer um, your question Claire and um, given you some direction and and hopefully it's also given everybody else um, who maybe currently suffers from this inconvenience or maybe to try and avoid um, the, the urgency to go has just maybe given you some tips on how to to reduce um, or prevent the effects. So, Aileen, I think we could maybe take a short advert break now before we move on to answer the final listener question. So over to you again. OK, thanks, Karen. So this is the, the part of the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. And today, what we thought we'd like to do is share with you our one-to-one personalised nutrition services. Um, and obviously, you know, digestive issues are a health condition which vary greatly from person to person. So the nutritional approach requires to be quite personalised. And so we thought it was appropriate to mention uh, this to you today. Um, and really, the personalised nutrition um, is there for you if you want some focused and personalised advice and support to help you achieve um, your health and running goals. So that might be digestive or it could be recovering from an injury or it could be that you you just want to improve your running performance and who doesn't want that these days? Everybody. So we, we've designed three programs that you can choose from and if you'd like to have a look at them, check out our website which is runnershealthup.com uh, look at the work for us page and in the drop down menu you'll find one-to-one personalised nutrition um, so there, there are, as I say, three different um, programs to choose from. If it's digestion that you're interested in, we'd suggest you look at the Nutrition Foundations plan. Uh, but as I say, we also do have a couple of other plans too. Um, and the first step really is to book a complimentary call with us. So again, on the Work With Us page, there is a, a booking section where you can just click on, choose a time to speak with us. We'll have a short call with you. Uh, we'll ask you a, a few questions um, in a mini questionnaire when you book the call to find out about your health goals. And then we can direct you to the best way of resolving your problem, whether it's personalised uh, one-to-one nutrition or if there's a different service that we can offer that would help you. Um, so we hope that you'll take a look at that. And uh, if you're interested in getting some help, book a call with us. Great. Thanks, Aileen. So now let's move on to Rebecca's question, which just to remind you is, I have been on a low carbohydrate diet for ages. How do I introduce them when I am scared of them? So just to give you a bit of background information that we've received from Rebecca. Now, it is limited information about Rebecca's running and nutrition. But what we do know is that she's currently training for a trail half marathon. We don't know which one. Um, but that's what she's training for. She is very active. She runs and plays competitive tennis three to four times a week and also does a mix of cardio strength conditioning classes three times a week. Um, but we don't know how long she does each of these activities for, although I think we could possibly make an educated guess there because most classes tend to last between 45 to 60 minutes. and. Um, she is training for a, a half marathon, so her long runs could be up to um, two hours and a tennis match could take as long as two hours plus, I, I would suspect. So regarding her nutrition, all we know is that she feels she struggles to get the nutrients she needs. She has been on a low 
calorie, a low calorie, a low carbohydrate diet for ages. Although, again, we don't know for how long. She just says ages. And we know that she's scared of carbohydrates. Now, I think being scared of carbohydrates is quite a common issue. And I think you mentioned that at the beginning, Aileen. And I know that it has been an issue for you, Aileen. Um, So from your experience, what would be your advice to Rebecca, knowing what we know? Yeah, yeah, Karen. Well, it has um, it has been something I've struggled with in the past, and I suppose to some extent, um, it's something I'm still very conscious of. But I have learned to manage it, um, and I, I've learned to do that because I know how important carbohydrate is for running performance. And um, I still always get taken back to a conversation I had with you quite a few years ago when you said to me you didn't think I was eating enough carbohydrate and I was absolutely shocked and horrified that you could suggest that to me Mm -hmm. Uh, but I did take your advice on board and it did help me Mm -hmm. so um what I would um say to Rebecca and anybody else who's um suffering from this um feeling that it's all about learning to feel confident about portion control when it comes to using carbohydrates strategically to support training. And I think there's a fear that if you start eating, I know for me, it's like if I start eating carbohydrates, I can't, I won't be able to stop and then it'll get out of control. And because I'm very carb sensitive, that's a, an issue for me. Uh, and also, I'd, I'd sort of say to Rebecca, you know, why are you scared of carbs? Um, and I, I think often it's because people, worry about carbs and weight gain or perhaps it's another reason and maybe that's something that's worth exploring um so what my recommendations for rebecca would be to um start introducing uh, carbohydrates slowly and building them up over time now we often make recommendations for for carbohydrate intake related to different running distances but i think to begin with you don't to jump from a low intake to the recommended optimal intake don't do it all in one go build it up slowly and that might help you overcome your fear of them Um, so you could maybe um, start by just even making a list of all the healthy carbohydrate foods that you like and um, start introducing them in small amounts and then start to increase them over time and then once you feel that you're in a situation where you've done that maybe you can look and think well are there any other carbohydrates that I'm not experiencing that I think might be helpful and then you could start maybe adding those in um so yeah start start feeling safe and um, using the ones that you feel confident with and then start exploring outside the box And when we talk about eating carbohydrates strategically, um, what we mean by that is you don't need to eat them all the time. And that goes for all foods, really. It's it's eating things. It's what you need to eat for your training. So, for example, um, on your rest days, and I I know you sound like you've like you sound like superwoman actually all this tennis and <laughs> training that you're doing but we're hoping that you do have a rest day so on a rest day at least one day a week or on low training days if you have any on those days you could keep your carbohydrate intake low um, but on the days where you've got more intense training or you're completing a long training run or uh, a tennis match or a tournament those days you might need more carbohydrate and that's when you um, sort of adapt and you increase your carbohydrate intake on those days and then reduce it again on the days that um, that you're not working out at such a high intensity um, so let's think about the timing of carbohydrate too so that's quite important um, so you need to think about eating specific amounts of carbohydrate at specific times to support your training so some examples of that would be um thinking about sort of one to two hours before you go on a long run or before you have a tennis match you could have a carbohydrate and protein combined meal or snack um if you're going to do a run up to 90 minutes at an easy steady pace then you could consider doing that in a fasted state so um that might be if you're able to do a run in the morning before breakfast that would work Uh, But just remember, once you go beyond that 90 minutes, 
it wouldn't be advisable to do that in a fasted state. Um, and studies have found that when you run in a fasted state, this can encourage the body to utilize fat as fuel. Um, and then the other thing to think about is eating within 30 minutes of completing an endurance run or a tennis match. A little bit like we were mentioning right at the beginning of the episode with Liz, it's like have something immediately afterwards within that 30 minutes. And it's thought that um, the body's most receptive to glucose uptake and glycogen um, replenishment at this time. So again, it's all about developing the habits um, and you might find that difficult to begin with, uh, but it's about training the digestive system to receive it and accept it. Um, and, and my other thought um, is, you know, again, we've mentioned this on so many different episodes in the past, is you need to find what is right for you. And I know that I can't ever take the highest amount of carbohydrate because that sends me into a jittery state. Um, so for me, it's not just fear about weight gain it's how it makes me feel so sometimes when it's when you're advised to just have a carbohydrate before exercise I combine that with a little bit of protein because that works for me and it might be that you have to do that as well but you need to try it out really and see yeah, I would agree with that, Aileen. And some really good suggestions there for Rebecca. Now, you mentioned that Rebecca could um, consider eating specific amounts of carbohydrate for her training, which um, I would totally agree with that. And um, and sort of calculating how much carbohydrates she needs would need to be split into sort of pre, during, post-exercise needs for her. So, for example, thinking about... Um, pre-training. Now, this could be looking at um, Rebecca's long run or um, tennis match. Now, it, it, it's it's general carbohydrates um, are, are needs are calculated using body weight as a guide. So, for example, if say um, Rebecca was going to eat two hours before a, a really long run, then it would be looking at having two grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates at that time. Now, that's the, the recommendations, general recommendations. And slow-release carbohydrates um, are recommended at that time as well, not the quick-release ones. Now, for Rebecca, this might just be a bit too much um, initially. So, like we said um, earlier, it would really be about building this up um, over time, and that might sort of help remove some of the fear around um, carbohydrates that you currently they have. Now, looking at post-training, now immediately post-training, um, really thinking about having a quick release carbohydrate food. So that's within the first 30 minutes of um, your, your long run or your long tennis, tennis match um, and not having any protein or fat alongside this because you just want um, the efficient digestion and absorption of the carbohydrate food. So, so again, Aileen's mentioned some of these quick release foods earlier, but thinking about um, a spoonful of honey, a ripe banana, raisins, mango slices, things like that. Um, no specific amount to eat at this time is, is recommended, but we would probably suggest around um, 30 grams of carbohydrates or whatever food that you, that you choose having sufficient that there's 30 grams of carbohydrates in, in, in it. Um, and then following, we would we'd then recommend um, eating again, roughly about one to two hours afterwards, uh, after the long run or match, but this time including some protein um, to help still help support the glycogen stores but also to help with the recovery and repair of muscle and then thinking about during um, your 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 run and your game and I know with tennis you do have some time where you know you take a break between games um, so you have time to, to have something to eat so here it would be about a quick release carbohydrate and that's really vital and um, that it's quick release at, that, at this time. Now again the recommendations are between 30 to 60 grams per hour as a general recommendation so maybe Rebecca for you um, you could start by trialing 30 grams um, per hour and then again building up if required but just starting with the with the 30 grams so just some suggestions uh, uh, about how much to have. Yeah they're great suggestions Karen um, and also 
um, thinking, you know, a bit like the suggestion you made earlier that the athletes play concept that we use might be uh, a good approach for Rebecca initially, because then you don't have to worry so much about working out the grams of food. It's all about portion sizes and getting the balance right on your plate and then choosing which plate for the different levels of um, intensity of training. So that's that would be a good way. Um, to go um so thinking more about rebecca's half marathon training um so as her distance increases we, we don't know what when her races i don't think, I don't think she no. um so when you're, you're in, your distance starts increasing to about nine miles and beyond then that's when really you need to think about the distribution of the macronutrients on your plate. So the macronutrients predominant here, we're talking about um, protein and carbohydrate. Um, so for, for everyday um, requirements where, you know, it's sort of the easy training. So, you know, if we were thinking in terms of running, we're thinking like Liz would probably follow an easy training plate and maybe on some days, um, it would be suitable for Rebecca. So an easy everyday training plate would include a quarter of a plate of complex carbohydrate and a quarter of a plate of protein and half a plate of mixed coloured non-root vegetables. Um, but this principle would change for, for the long runs and the days where she's got uh, tennis matches on, you know, possibly you're even maybe doing two of those things on the same day so a double training day so on those days it would be really appropriate to adjust um, the carbohydrate contact to reflect the amount of energy expenditure of the exercise so moving the carbohydrate portion from a quarter of a plate to a third of a plate and the protein would stay the same um, so hopefully that's some good tips for you there Rebecca yeah absolutely and I, I do think sort of that the athlete's plate idea um might be really good for Rebecca and potentially by using this concept it may also help her achieve the appropriate nutrient intake that she feels that she's lacking because the athlete's plate is all about ensuring that the meal is balanced as well as supporting the training it's also balanced nutritionally Yes, so, so quite a lot of information there um, for Rebecca and hopefully helpful for everybody else too. And um, I think my final message is to remember it's not about overeating carbohydrate, it's about eating enough to fuel your running and performance and recovery. And, you know, just to um, share a bit of hope with you, I, I always describe it as being a game changer for me because I used to find that some days, I really was running on empty and it was very distressing. You know, when you go out on a training run and you just sometimes I couldn't finish it. Um, and then suddenly when I started adding in the right amounts of carbohydrate, um, I found that my performance was so much better. So it's definitely worth um, embracing carbohydrates in the right way. Um, Karen, have you got a, a final message for everybody today? Yeah, I think my final message really would be to remember that we are all individual. The recommendations that we've suggested today might not be suitable for all our listeners. And um, and again, just to reiterate, if you do feel that you, you would benefit from a more personalised approach um, to your nutrition and your running goals, then do get in touch with us um, to discuss what would work best for you. We've we've explained how you can do that and um, I would uh, I would just encourage it. And that's that's it really, Aileen. Yeah, just a, a final thing from me. I had a, a non-running related experience recently, but it reminded me of how sometimes you just need to reach out for professional help. And it was to do with decorating actually and uh, I was in a I couldn't decide what colours I was going to have done in my house and so I was going to buy all these different little pots of paint and then when I added them all up I realised I was spending quite a lot of money and so instead I booked a session with um, a deck well not a decorator what we've got an interior designer to give them their correct terms and um and actually, I think in the long run, it probably saved me a lot of money because uh, she was able to guide me and tell me exactly what I needed to do based on me telling her what, what my likes and dislikes were. And it just sort of like, reminded me of why we all need to ask for some professional help from time to time. Mm -hmm. So so that was just my little, uh, little yeah. addition there. Mm. 
So uh, we, we do hope everybody's enjoyed uh, the new style of episode. It's something that we hope to release periodically. Um, we'll be driven by your questions, really. So if you have got a scenario that you think you would like some help with, um, or you think it would be useful for other people to learn from, please do email us and let us know uh, what your challenges, either nutritionally or something that's holding you back on your performance, so we can see if there's something in nutrition that, that might help you. So get in touch with us. Drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. Really look forward to hearing from you. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.